0: Welcome to Soul Inspiring Business. Hello and welcome. On today's show, we're talking to Josh Kalinowski. Having overcome failure and broken dreams, Josh knows how hard it is to become your best when it feels like the whole world is against you. As a CEO of eight companies, coach, and a man of faith and family, Josh is devoted to helping leaders live a life of exceptional impact, influence, and faith. Starting many of his companies by a napkin and a handshake, Josh challenges the status quo by bringing out every second of every day and inspiring others to do the same. Josh recently launched a new book called Strike Three, What to Do When the Life is Over But the Game is Not. What do you do when everything you thought you were created for ends? The life you dreamed of and achieved is destroyed and gone, never to be lived again. Nobody prepares you for life after the sport, the job, or the career ends. But what if that ending is actually the plan? What if it's exactly the perfect setup you need to pursue the greatest chapter of a life worth living? We're going to be talking about all that and more and giving you practical tips and wisdom to begin living out your best life. And it all starts now. So today, I'm so excited. Welcome, Josh. Very nice to have you on the podcast today.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to our conversation.
0: Yeah, me as well. Um, so, and Josh was actually introduced to me by another um, uh, podcast guest, Sharon Shavatsa. And, you know, I'm I'm really excited to talk to you because I know you launched a new book, Um, and we'll, you know, definitely get into that. You also have a podcast, um, and you are a CEO of eight companies, so you've got a lot going on. So we appreciate your time for sure. Um, and I know that the book is really, um, you know, something it's called strike three, what to do when the game's over, but life is not. And I love that because one of the things that when I, before I meet with, um, guess, often I just kind of ask for a word or like something that is going to be a theme or something about that person or what we're going to talk about. And the word I actually got before I was really even doing any research was resilience. Mm -hmm. And um, which seems kind of um, (laughs) to fit, you know, with with what we're going to be talking about today. But, you know, if you could sum up, I love hearing people's stories in their own words. Like if you could sum up your path or your story, what do you think some of the key things that happened in your life that really led you to the work that you're doing now?
1: You bet. Well, first of all, once again, I'm very excited to be talking to your audience here and, and uh, kind of share uh, my my past and, and really now my present. But um, yeah, you know, I, I I was super focused, super driven as a, uh, as a young man growing up. I knew exactly what my life was supposed to be. I knew I was going to be a professional baseball player. Uh, in fact, I grew up in that era where uh, like Bo Jackson was uh, the athlete and I wanted to be a multi-sport athlete. So I, there was no reason and nothing was going to stop me uh, from becoming a quarterback in the NFL in a pitcher or an outfielder in major league baseball. So that was it. That was all plan A for me. That was, there was nothing else. Like life did not exist outside of mm-hmm. sports. And, uh, and, and luckily I was so fortunate, so blessed. I was able to pursue that dream into my mid twenties. Um, I had a, I had a great career um, at every level, I continued to excel. And then like so many people, the door shut and and I wasn't ready. I I, I say that I retired, uh, but it wasn't because I was financially set and I was ready to uh, start the next chapter of my life. Um, you know, God had other plans. He just didn't tell me that he had other plans. So um, 26 years old, I, I left the sport unwillingly. I was very broken, um, had a lot of shame and blame in my life. I blamed myself. Uh, for mm-hmm. failing i blamed others for uh for maybe helping me uh, fail and mm-hmm. uh, i came home and tucked my tail between my legs and it was a really hard time for me uh over the next 13 years and the story the book strike three is literally like what do you do when you strike out what do you doing when you have a failure in your life and it's not just about sports of course obviously as athletes uh, many of us find that life after the sport is really challenging Right, mm-hmm. you you lose your identity, you lose who you are, um, you lose your support network, right? You lose that team camaraderie. All of these things, you're just like, what do I do now? This is all I've known in my life. But mm-hmm. uh, what I've also understood too is that it's not just once again sports. It's also men and women in the military that find themselves out of you know years of service, years for serving their country, and then they they come into uh, life and they go, wow, this is this isn't normal. Like mm. I I wasn't raised this way. I wasn't built this way. I, this wasn't how life was. And or you know, a lot of professional moms that uh have chosen to to stay at home and and, and raise their, their children. My wife was the same way. Uh she was a she was an RN. I mean, super smart, wicked more smart than I am, and very successful in her industry as a nurse. And then she decided to stay at home and she lost some of her identity. She had to reinvent who she was. And so once again, it, it it really plays into so many people's and their careers as they transition. You know, you and I say share the same profession in real estate, and I will tell you, most of us real estate agents don't aspire to be real estate agents when we grow up. It is not something that we just say, you know, I want to sell houses. I want to work 80 hours a week. I want to work nights and weekends and, and be away from my family and, you know, all the things that, that obviously we know that we have to do on the uh, uh, in, in real estate to be successful. Right. It's usually a tragedy. It's usually a setback. It's usually a, okay, what do I do now with my life? And so the book, I think really helps, uh, I hope that the book really helps you walk through that journey and help you discover the greater purpose in your life. What's going to help you build that legacy that you've always wanted to, what are you going to use? Uh, and how are you going to use those tests that you've had throughout your life to become your testimony? And so this has been a really great opportunity for me to talk about that, that I've, what I've lived through, what I've had to go through. And then what it looks like on the other side, as I continue to chase
0: that journey. Mm, I love that. And so for somebody as kind of almost like a first step, I mean, if somebody is in that place where they're just feeling broken, you know, um, how do you get out of that state of brokenness? Because sometimes it's a self-fulfilling prophecy too. Like once you go down that rabbit hole, sometimes it's hard to get out of negative town so to speak you know yeah. um so what are some of your suggestions for helping them yeah, um, get what out is, of that space
1: so specifically to this i think there's really three themes that we talk about in the book and you'll see that in different chapters one is we talk about you got to start telling the right story You know, we, when we, when we can convince ourselves of some really pretty amazing things, but we can convince ourselves of some really stupid things as well. You know, some false stories in our life, like, you know, well, they did this to me, or I did this, or I failed at that. When in all reality, if you take a step back and you look at really what happened, the story, the truth of the story is something different. And, and then you got to decide what story you want to own. And oftentimes we own the wrong story. We own the we own the story of failure and unforgiving ourselves, unforgiving other people. And so just start with the story. Start with really taking a step back and saying, man. What, what's the truth of this? Like, what, why did this really have to happen? Why? Why am I in this place that I am? And once you do that, you you start to, to you start to recognize. Okay, here's my starting point now. Right, here, I can start here. Uh, the other thing is that we talk about in there is that one of the one of the disciplines that we talk about is taking 100% responsibility, and it is super tough. Uh, this is a concept that for years I thought I was. You know, in in the athletic uh, realm of the world, we always talk about giving 110%. And, uh, you know, obviously, obviously it's a play on words and and there's no such thing. We know that, but what we do know is this, uh, most people at best at their most optimal give 99%. And the reason I say that is because there's always an expectation in return. So when you do something nice for somebody. When you do something really cool or great, or you buy, you know, you buy somebody flowers or, you know, in and, and, and our case, when we, when we go above and beyond and, and, and do a fantastic job for our clients, we're giving them the 99% of us, because here's the one thing that we expect back that we want back is the 1% is we want loyalty. We want them to maybe refer people, right? That 1% is often a burden that other people can't carry. And we do this and I re- I recognize this in my life of like with my relationship with my wife, I've an amazing relationship with her now, but you know, as any marriage you, you, you discover each other every year, right? You discover you're know, really truly who we are, who they are, who we are, how do we react in situations? One of the things I discovered of why we weren't able to have a complete marriage on fire was because I had expectations that I was putting on her that were not fair. This burden of her reciprocating in a way that she didn't even know that she needed to do it. Mm, and so yeah. when we can look at our lives and say, okay, what am I giving away? What power am I giving away to people? What's that 1% burden that I expect them to give back to me that they can no longer handle? Man, when I did that personally in my journey, I was able to give myself freely. I was able to start to really truly live in my passions. I was able to find a greater purpose for my life. And and that's what we really want. Most of us are just searching for that purpose in our life. So I think once again, that is a huge, huge thing that uh, people need to be looking at is, okay, what are the burdens we're giving away? What's the 1% we can take back? And the last thing I would say is this, oftentimes through the experiences of pain and shame and blame and failure and all of these things that kind of set us back, you know, those things that we talk about, like the one step back, or we're taking two steps back. What we have a tendency to do is we end kind up of a tendency to build up these walls within ourselves, right? And we build up these walls because we feel like we're protecting ourselves. Right. We're protecting ourselves. Like, Hey, listen, I never want to get hurt like that again. Or man, I never want to experience that failure again. So I'm going to start building these walls at these, 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 these superficial walls inside of me. No one else can see them of course, but we know they're there. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: When you realize that those walls were never meant to protect you, they were truly there to hold you back. Mm -hmm. Your job from there on is to start breaking down those walls. So if you can't trust people, what do you need to do to start breaking down those walls. So you start trusting people again, when, when you, when you can't move forward and make a decision, because man, every decision I seem to make is like a failure or a setback, or I, I just can't do it. I can't make the right one. Mm -hmm. What do you need to do to start making the right ones? What do you need to do to start giving yourself the confidence so that you can start taking a step forward? As opposed to once again, continue to build these walls that hold us back from the greatest chapter in our
0: life. Yeah, no, that those are great great tips. And how did you, I'm curious, like, how did you, what's one wall that you had, um, uh, um, that you kind of had to tear down and how did you do that?
1: Sure. Yeah. You know, honestly, the biggest wall that I had to, uh, that I had to discover and then, then, then tackle Mm -hmm. was forgiving myself, Mm -hmm. uh, forgiving myself for not accomplishing the goal that I set out to accomplish. I had to forgive myself for letting everybody down. You know, I tried to be, you know, I'm the oldest of, um, of seven children. Um, and, wow. and, uh, and so I had a lot of expectations on my shoulders. I, I put a lot of expectations on my shoulders. Um, you know, I was, you know, lack of better words. I was kind of the golden child. I was really good at sports. I was really good, uh, and, and certain things in life and, and, and just, and God was continuing to bless me through all of these things. And so I kind of, you know, I, I most certainly, fed into that as well and so by doing that i kind of felt like well i'm going to save my family my dad was a blue collar contractor you know just a hard hard construction worker and my mom stayed at home you know they made the decision that mom wasn't going to work and we were going to sacrifice in order for mom to be at home and it's, you know in retrospect it was the most amazing thing my folks had ever done growing up i was always felt like we were left out we we didn't have enough money we were always very you know relatively poor And so I was going to be the financial savior for my family. Making it to the major leagues was not just about me being successful, but it was also about me saying, hey, listen, I'm going to make a name for our name, right? And people are going to remember who we are because of the success that I achieved on the field. So when that didn't happen, I felt like I let not only myself down, but my entire family. So I had to forgive myself that debt that I could never pay back
0: yeah and i think that that is i mean thank you for sharing i think that's one of the biggest things that people um hold on to is that there's a lot of blame and it's like this this story, like you said, the story, right? Rewriting that story that just plays over and over in their head. Like, I'm not good enough. No, you did that wrong. Like, I mean, there's some statistic of how many negative things we tell ourselves on a daily basis, you know? And so really just rewiring that is so powerful, you know? And if we can just learn to like you said, forgive yourself and rewrite the story that you tell yourself on a minute-by-minute basis, really, Um, you know, how much more powerful we can be in the world.
1: Yeah, it's up to about 40,000 negative Conversations. Oh, is have.
0: that it? Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's crazy. I, you know, and, crazy. and I'm thinking, like, I don't think I have 40,000 conversations in my head all day. So if it's 40,000, like, man, that means like 120% of my conversations are negative. Right. But it is, it, it's a significant amount, like you said. And it is so important. Once we learn that discipline mm-hmm. of rewriting the story, talking to ourselves in a way, just like you were talking about. Uh, and, and when I, when I coach a lot of, when I coach people, uh, our agents, uh, and then I, I coach, um, so CEOs and, and, um, uh, entrepreneurs, one of the things we talk about is like, listen, just, let's just talk about a negative conversation you just had with yourself the other day. Mm-hmm. And so they'll, they'll say that out loud and it's like, okay, so I'm going to repeat that to you. And and we will, will and I'll say it to them. And they're kind of like offended by it. I'm like, okay, so if if you get offended by the way I talk to you, right, why would you ever let yourself talk to you that way? Or if you're going to take this conversation and and you're going to have that, somebody's going to say I have this conversation with your kid, would you let somebody have that with your kid or with your wife or your 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 husband? And they're like, mm-hmm. absolutely not. Okay, so then what gives you permission to do that to yourself? And it's kind of like that aha moment, like, wow, that really is unhealthy.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. We just don't even realize we're doing it, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm curious what your, Um, I like to ask, you know, what kind of grounding practice you have or what do you have a practice that you do every morning or throughout the day to kind of remind yourself of the story that you're wanting to tell, you know, that sure. you're, that you're writing.
1: Yeah. You know uh, I'm so glad you asked it because as you and I were talking earlier is it is so, it's so fun to uh, listen to what people's routines are, the things that they're doing that kind of help them become more optimal uh, Mm -hmm. in their space. And my routines have really matured over the years. Um, I used to like, literally like, just like most people, I probably just, I used to wake up out of bed and grab the coffee and then let's just go. Like literally, I, I remember in real, when I was selling real estate actively, um, I remember was like, if I had a nine o'clock appointment, I was getting up at 8.30, I was showering really quick, getting my cup of coffee and going, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but now I'm so much more intentional. I'm so much more intentional just with my life in general. But i wake up on purpose with a purpose and so my morning routines come from just filling my cups uh one of the groups that we have is kingsmen and uh and and it's a a group uh, it's a brotherhood of men and we, we we hold ourselves accountable to a higher purpose a greater purpose um but we believe in five foundations in our life and so it starts with faith faith, not only in a, in a higher being as I'm, a, as a man of, uh, as a man of God, I, I believe that that is a, a solid foundation you have to start with. Mm-hmm. But the second, in, uh, the second important part of that faith is the faith within ourselves. So if we don't feel empowered, how can we go out and do a good work, right? If we don't yeah. feel empowered, how can we go out and lead? And, and, you know, whether it's leading hundreds of people or whether it's just leading our families, whether it's just leading ourselves, you know, and so we need to be empowered ourselves. So it's super important for me to start with that foundation there. So I start with my gratitudes in the sense of, I just say, Hey, listen, um, I just started out. I, I do make my cup of coffee cause I want it brewing. Uh, <laughs> right. But then I just sit down and um, I, uh, I you know, I drink my water and it's like, all right, Lord, like, thank you. Like, I like, thank you. I got a great night's sleep last night. Thanks. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Those things. I, and, I, and I'm really grateful for the things in my life, the small things that we can take for granted. So every morning I'm, I'm always, uh, I'm always grateful for each and every one of our family members. Mm-hmm. And then I start to expand from there. And I just want to make sure that I'm in the right mindset. And then, and then of course, obviously I go into a little bit of meditation. I go into a little bit of prayer. I and mean, one thing that I always do is I just shut up eventually. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't think that we do that enough. We want to talk and we want to talk and we consume our silent time. One of the best things mm-hmm. I ever did was realize that I get so much understanding. I get so much wisdom when I just shut up and Mm -hmm. just listen. And so when I, by listening, um, I, I hear some really powerful things. When I listen, I just hear some really good. And I also get great peace Mm -hmm. and great peace allows me to be the person that I need to be for those that I get to lead and get to serve on a daily basis.
0: Yeah. And I also think, um, that when you have, when you have that practice and when you are familiar with it, what it feels like to be at peace, you can find it more easily. Cause sometimes we don't know how anxious we are until we've actually stopped and we're like, Oh, wow. I really was wound really tight until, you know, I had time to feel what peace feels like, like truly feels like, you know? That's exactly right. And so I think that's one of the gifts in that type of practice as well. It's just like you said, getting to a place of peace. Um, now, do you journal? Because I also am a huge believer in we are receiving wisdom um, moment by moment, especially if we've asked for it. But yeah. sometimes we don't know Um, what that feels like or what it feels like to receive guidance or when we are. So I'm just curious, like if you have a practice for receiving that guidance.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, In the book, uh, one of the things that we talk about, one of the concepts we talk about is is the wisdom formula. So the wisdom formula is this. It's it's fairly simple and yet easy to do as well. Um, Knowledge Mm -hmm. plus understanding multiplied by reflection equals wisdom and so the reflection piece of it is that journal it's that writing things down but then also reflecting on it Uh, one of the things i love to do and just like you talked about i think the journal is a huge opportunity for you to discover tremendous insight in your life Um, uh, one of the things i've done is started to do that on a daily basis and then i'll spend some time usually about once a month and i'll just start flipping through the old pages And I just want to know my mindset. I want to know what was going on. I want to know, like, I want to know where God was working, even though I didn't recognize it. Right. Because now I have the foresight because of what happened through that period. And I'm looking at myself back here going, dude, you have no idea on Friday, this was going to happen. Right. Or whatever. And so I get to laugh at myself and I get to laugh with God going, okay, I got to continue to keep having more faith here. I got to continue to keep, like, I just got to keep keep pushing forward because I know you got me covered here. Right. So it's a, it's an awesome opportunity. I think the journal is one of the greatest things that you can do if you haven't put that in your disciplines.
0: Mm, Yeah, that's good. Um, I, I love that as well. I mean, it's just kind of part of my daily process. So it sounds like we've got similar, similar processes there. And I think that most people that I talk to, and I'm sure you probably find this as well that are operating at a high level, like have some type of practice, you know, that they use. It may look differently, but it's about getting to the same goal, which is something that's going to get you to a centered place where you can where you can discern the inspiration a little bit more clearly, you know? So um, now I guess also, I know you talk a lot about um, abundance mindset in the book. Any other um, like tips that you talk about for getting, helping people with cultivating more of an abundance versus a scarcity mindset.
1: Yeah. You know, one of the, one of the concepts we talk about is, is creating integrity moments in your life. Um, you know, anytime that you want to um, evolve and change and, and grow and and become this person that you've envisioned for, right? I think a lot of achievers, uh, a lot of people that are driven, um, they're never satisfied with where they're at. They're never satisfied of who they are at this time because they have a, they've always got a greater version of themselves, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, you know, you climb that mountaintop and you get there and you're like, okay, there's about 7,000 more mountaintops that I got to go tackle now, right? And and it's awesome that you're here, but you know that there's so much more because now you've been, now your eyes have been exposed to, holy cow, that's what's really out there, right? Mm -hmm. So in creating these integrity moments, I think are so important within our lives. Um, And it's really going back to the disciplines. Um, And then the disciplines aren't something where, once again, I think discipline comes off really, really harsh, right? When we think of discipline, you know, I, I think of like when i was a young child and my dad was spanking me uh right or because i did something wrong or my mom and mom was mad at me and then i was like okay i gotta wait till dad gets home because then he's gonna be the one to punish me but mm-hmm. i will tell you that disciplines staying within your disciplines gives you the greatest freedom in your life the disciplines are the things that fill your cup the disciplines are the things that grow you and 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 help you uh as you're along this journey where you are going to have those setbacks you're going to have failures and and when you can continue in those integrity moments, those things that you take ownership of, mm-hmm. um, it's amazing the type of person you turn into, how much more joy you have in your life. Um, you know, as a, let's just, let's, we take our we take our industry for instance, right? Mm-hmm. When, when you live in integrity within our industry, it goes with you everywhere you go. So it makes your decisions that much easier. Should I tell that client that, There was a flood in the basement. Yeah. I probably should say that. Right. Even though it is a million dollar sale and that's a really nice commission. You don't even worry about that anymore because Mm -hmm. your integrity would never allow you to not tell the truth. Right. Sure. Uh, When it comes to the integrity with your marriage, right? Like, should I do this or, you know, she'll never find out or, you know, he's never going to know when you live in that integrity, when you create those integrity moments, you don't even question those things. You don't even go down that path. And so as we as we continue to grow as as men and women, as we grow as leaders, if we can create more of those integrity moments, we created an amazing life that we can be so happy with.
0: Hmm. Gosh, I love that. Yeah, you're so right. It's about, because then it just becomes you, right? It is you, right? Yeah. So, um, and it's a lot of, a, it's a simpler way to do, to do life. Right.
1: Yes. And, you know, and and so many people, you know, once again, integrity is kind of like discipline, like it's so it's so overused. It's in every mission statement. Everybody swears they have it. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, I mean, I think most people do have integrity. I think that they have it at their option. They have it at their leisure. So there's that difference between having integrity and living in integrity. Right. Mm -hmm. So when you have it, That's awesome. You and I can have integrity right now, but as soon as I walk out the door, I could leave it here and go do something really stupid. Mm -hmm. But if I live in integrity, it is with me everywhere I go. And so we got to really understand that there's a a really big difference. And, you know, once again, how many people do we know that have integrity that Mm -hmm. makes some really bad decisions?
0: Right. Yeah. I think there's a few politicians. (laughs) 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 So, well, it's funny. One of the books that just was like popping into my head when you were talking is um, The Four Agreements. Have you read that? Um, It's a little like a little read. And one of the four agreements is being impeccable with your word. Mm -hmm. Right. And just like speaking. And part of that, I remember like back. I mean, I read it. It's been many years, probably like 25 years ago. Um, but, uh, I remember sometimes one of the things too, is like gossip and not getting caught and just like being aware of the words because words have power and, you know, just, um, being impeccable with your word, you know, being impeccable at how you talk about people, because all of those things have energy with them, you know, Mm -hmm. and then one of the other things that you said also, um, earlier was the power of intention. Mm -hmm. And I think that we're really moving into a place too, where our intention really is everything, um, in terms of like how we, what we're creating and the intention behind it, I think is, um, is, Really, going to in some ways determine its success or not, maybe, you know, yeah. um, and being really intentional with, you know, your words and your work and what your your purpose in the world. Exactly. Yep. So, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. Now, one other question I'm, I just want to ask you about because I know you work with a lot of, um, you know, CEOs, your CEO yourself and, and high level people that tend to carry some ego with them. Sure. So, you know, how does, and, and we never see that in real estate, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, but I'm curious, you know, how do you check your own ego or how do you, uh, help others kind of with that?
1: Yeah. Great, great question. Uh, you know, going, <laughs> easiest thing to get away from us, right? Is our, is our ego. Um, You know, I will tell you when I was done with playing baseball, the humility that came with it um, really kind of destroyed my confidence for many, many years. Mm -hmm. And so for a long time, I actually had to start building that confidence again. I I had to start kind of building a little bit of that. Listen, I am strong enough. I can do this. Like I I am capable of actually creating, you know, some success in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, nowadays, then, I, now that I've created what I would consider success, and, and success isn't just the financial picture by by any means. Now, I, I have a I have a redefined uh, idea of what success looks like in my life, uh, and uh, but my but that humility is constantly because of this. And I talk about this is one an, another um, another concept in the book is who are you giving authority to in your life
0: yeah.
1: when you can have people that you sit at their feet, when you have people that sit at your table and you have given them permission to have authority in your life, it's really easy to stay humble around people like that because mm-hmm. they're not afraid to call you out. They're not afraid to hold you accountable. They're not afraid to tell you the truth. And unfortunately, as we all know, we, with with social media, uh, with, with the way that our world works now, it's so easy to have 10,000 friends. Mm-hmm. Right. It's so easy to have a sphere of influence of, of, of hundreds of thousands of people. of people. How many of them will actually tell you the truth? Mm-hmm. How many of them will actually hold you accountable? How many will actually call you out and say, Hey, listen, you're saying one thing, but your actions are actually doing something different. And so once you can find that small group of people that you have given authority to, um, the humility in your life is a lot easier to, 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 to stay tempered. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I constantly am talking to with, um, with the people that I'm coaching and mentoring is, first of all, I ask them for that authority in their life. I have, you don't know, have to get permission for that. Uh, sure. but then I also am constantly asking like, who's at your table, who are the people other than me, right. because I'm not going to be around forever. You know, I'm not going to be in your life forever, but who are the people that you are constantly able to go to and they're able to hold you accountable to the things that you say are important, the person that you want to become. Mm-hmm. So that, that makes sure that you still stay on that track.
0: Yeah. And, and I guess you all, is that one of the, or tell me more about Kingsman, because is that one, one of the evolutions of Kingsman? I know you brought it up earlier, but I'd love for our audience to hear some of the really good work you're doing with that group as well.
1: Sure. Well, you know, part of my journey, once again, was I was just engulfing myself with um, as many uh, entrepreneurs, high achievers and, and people of influence as I could. I wanted to I wanted to repeat what they did, you know, uh, growing up, that's what you do. You, you watch TV, you watch the sport, you watch the person and you just you repeated their their mechanics. Mm-hmm. Well, you kind of do that the same thing in life, right? When you want to be a great entrepreneur, well, you repeat what great entrepreneurs do. Um, and I wanted to be a great man. Um, part of Kingsman is about being a great man, but it's also about being a great father and a great husband, a great leader. And, and through that uh, we get to have that impact on men. And we do this because we have a brotherhood of high accountability with each other, right? We have, we have a, we have a brotherhood of men that say, listen, I'm not settling for average anymore. And, and I don't want to be one dimensional. Uh, What I found growing up um, from my mid thirties into my forties is that so many of the guys that I held in high esteem were one-dimensional, mm-hmm. great businessmen, married three or four times, didn't know their kids, mm-hmm. successful financially, but overweight and diabetic, right? right. Uh, a, a, a man of faith, deep faith, was a great spiritual leader, but mm-hmm. was nearly broke every other day. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I just stepped back from that and I said, no, they like, why can't we be more? Why why, why can't I be successful financially, build wealth in my life, work on that legacy, have an amazing uh, relationship with my wife that we are on fire for our, each other. We love to get away. We love our children, but we love our relationship even more. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then why can't I have a brotherhood of men that I'm going to go and battle with, and I'm going to go and do some hard stuff with, and I'm going to go and live life with. And, and I didn't want to, unfortunately what we run into, especially in the faith world is it turns into a Bible study. And I didn't want that. Like mm-hmm. I wanted, I wanted a man's group. I wanted a, a group where we created where we could have a cigar and a really nice glass of whiskey, but then we'd also go out there and we would do a Spartan race. Or we, you know, we talk about the real stuff about the the things that aren't superficial, because that's what I think run we run into as a society uh, is that we are so used to just going one layer deep. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, one of the things we talk about in the book is like, how many times have you had a really good friend? All of a sudden tell you that they're getting divorced and you're like, I didn't even know you guys were struggling mm-hmm. or they say, yeah, I just lost my dad to cancer. And you're like, what do you mean? I, I didn't know your dad even had, cancer." and you guys are friends. You guys talk all the time. You see each other at the soccer matches or, or you work with them. Sure. It's because we only go one layer deep and we don't really talk about the things we don't, we're afraid to open up, right? Yeah. We're afraid to actually have people close to us. And so Kingsman is an opportunity for men to get together, be vulnerable in the sense that they can have really hard conversations. Hey man, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with this. But then we can also have those great conversations about saying, Hey, what are we doing to kick ass in life? What what are you, what are you doing to, to, to level up and and do something even better? Right. And, and we push ourselves to those, those extremes because we live in a society that we're, once again, a lot of superficial conversations going around. And it's all about me. And it's Mm -hmm. very rarely about we.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. And, you know, I think that especially for what you've created this community, um, I think, especially for men, right, because as women, we're sort of taught to maybe talk in more layers you know growing up and just the nature of how sometimes we're conditioned right Mm -hmm. um but men are not necessarily taught to talk in that way and to be as vulnerable with each other um and then not to stereotype i mean you find it in both but i think especially for men um that is just so powerful because you know life is a journey and there are going to be hard times just by the nature of that's what we've come down here to do is to live a life and to discover. And there's lots of beauty, but there's hard times too. And really at the end of the day, like it's about the relationships with others that are really what we're building here. You know, like that's our legacy. Um, how many people can we impact? How can we help people? How can we serve people on a high level? And, um, and you're really doing that in a really awesome way. So, uh thank you
1: yeah i appreciate that well i'm just you know I, i'm just saying yes just like you are you know you there's a there's something on your heart there's a there's a burden that you feel and uh we have an opportunity and we have an obligation i think as leaders uh to continue to show up but also to continue to say yes especially to the things that we are really uncertain about but we just mm-hmm. know that we got to move forward
0: yeah totally well, um, well, this has been a treat any final, uh, thoughts or, um, you know, insights. I know you've shared so much and we're definitely going to link up the the book so that people can, uh, purchase that and learn more about all the things that you're doing. Um, but any final thoughts?
1: Yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. You know, if, if they go to joshkalinowski.com, they can actually get the book for free, uh, just pay shipping and handling. So, or if you want to pay full price, you can just go to Amazon. It's there. It's, uh, it's, it's, Barnes and Noble as well too. Um, but well, we also I'll have forget. a gift. That's
0: great. Thank you.
1: Yeah. We really want to just get this into the, the hands of, uh, as many people that we can. Cause I know there's a lot of hurting people out there. I know there's a lot of people that they, they, they recognize that they're not in the place they want to be and they're looking for ways to overcome it. So we really give them some practical tools, uh, but we also tell them why they want to do it, what, why help them discover why, why is it, what's the greater purpose uh of their life and how do they go and, and chase it so um but no i really appreciate the opportunity to talk as you can tell i get a little passionate about uh serving people but also i want everybody we really do i want everybody to have that opportunity to live a life of exceptional impact influence and faith and i really hope that uh, by them listening to your podcast by them following you uh that they get those opportunities to continue to continue to do that and if we can make any type of an impact even more power to all of us. so
0: Awesome. That's so good. And for them to follow your podcast too. So if you want to follow um, Josh, he's at the JK experience. So you'll have to check out his podcast as well. So again, such a treat and uh, so glad that you're able to be here and thank you so much for all that you've provided today.
1: You bet. Thanks again. Really appreciate it.
0: Thanks so much for listening. And I wanted to give some of my key takeaways from the conversation with Josh. And feel free to comment and leave your own. But one of the things that I loved, he shared, was really the story that you're telling yourself and looking at, you know, is what are are you telling yourself a false story? You know, do you need to rewrite that? What story are you owning today? And I think that is such powerful advice. So look at the story you're telling yourself, and if you think that there is a place that it can be rewritten, then do it because that has the power to be uh, life changing. Number two, I really love this about Josh, and and I think he lives this. But really, surrounding yourself with people that inspire you and lift you, you know that support team around you is so important and so you know if if you're not surrounded by people that are really giving you positive encouragement and uplifting you and inspiring you then where can you make some changes and i think also some you know where can we make some changes within ourselves because if if we're being negative then how are we showing up you know for our friends and our you know it's it's about being in a place where you can receive positivity from others, but also making sure that we're living that—that so that was a, a great takeaway. And then number three, um, and I, you know, I live this too, and I love this. But creating a ritual for yourself in the morning—you know, going into prayer and gratitude as a way of starting the day—and Josh shared his practice, and I think that it it can be as simple as as he mentioned, just. Waking up and before getting into the, you know, inbox and all the things that can carry our attention, just really going into prayer and gratitude, just simply saying thank you and re- being reminded of the things that are working well in your life can be such a life changing practice. So. If you have any other takeaways, would love to hear them. And uh, again, thank you so much for listening. I I am very grateful for you and for your continued support in this fun, passion project, soul-inspiring business. It is my true intention to inspire and to offer hope and to create a community of like-minded people that can uplift each other. So thank you again for being part of that. And I just so appreciate you. Have a wonderful day and week and look forward to next time. I'm Kara, and you've been listening to Soul Inspiring Business. If you found this helpful, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And if you feel so bold, share with others as well. Thanks again for listening. I look forward to growing.